Hello, my lovelies, and welcome back to Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane and the second half of Suni and the Dragon. Now, if you remember, we left Suni last week, jumping on her horse and racing after the dragon. So, without further ado, let's continue and find out what is going to happen next to Suni in part two of Suni and the Dragon. Suni rode as fast as she could, with the dragon always ahead. The smell of him was like rotten eggs and burned feathers. At midnight, they were deep in the mountains. All at once, the dragon disappeared into a jagged cave. Suni tied the mare to a rock, left the hound guarding, and slipped up to peer inside. What she saw held her spellbound. She didn't know she was cold. She quite forgot to be frightened. There was the dragon laying on a rock. Before him, a young girl was dancing, the loveliest dance Suni had ever seen. Surely this was the Princess Blanche, her pale hair swinging as she spun. Suni was entranced, and then horrified. For when Blanche had finished her dance, the dragon opened up his great red maw with teeth like sabers, and swallowed her in one gulp. Suni stood pale and trembling as the dragon spewed out a second girl into the cave. A beautiful girl with hair as red as fire. She began to sing, and surely this was the princess Ardis, for her sweet voice was the same Suni had heard two nights before, inside the dragon's stomach. Soon enough, though, the dragon opened up his great red maw, and Artis was swallowed again. And the dragon coughed up the third princess then. With hair like the darkest night, she sat down before him obediently and began to tell a tale about a tailor in a bread box and a white rose. She could be no other than the princess Camilla. Surely she could not. Soon, too, Camilla was sucked up again. Then the dragon clamped his jaws tight together, turned around three times, and lay down with his back against the cave door. Now Suni could see nothing but his great scaly hide, and his snores rose like thunder on the cold midnight air. Suni stood thinking what to do. She looked all around where the dragon blocked the door, and at last she found a bit of space between his hip and the stone. So she squeezed through into the cave. She felt around the walls in the utter dark and found a sack full of meal. Maybe that would be useful. Then she crept close to the dragon, put her ear to his stomach, and listened. Well, it was hard to hear much, besides the dragon snoring but at last she heard three voices crying, and she knew that the princesses still lived. 
Suni searched the cave some more, and when she found a hank of rope, she tied it twice round the meal sack, until it was like a dumpy little person with a lump for the head, a rope pinching in the neck, and another making the waist. She left that ready, took off her shoes, and climbed softly onto the dragon's shoulder. Then she leaned way over and blew on his lip and tickled his nose till he sneezed. And when the dragon sneezed, Suni slipped down inside of him so fast he didn't feel her. He sneezed twice more, nearly dislodging her, then went back to sleep with a sigh. Well now, here was Suni, down inside the dragon with the three princesses, and surely it was dark down there, and the princesses crying fit to burst. They couldn't see her, so Suni said loudly, and with all the authority she could find, Do stop crying! I'm here to save you, but I can't save you if all you do is nothing but cry. Now, why in the world did each of you let the dragon swallow you again, instead of running away? Because, said a sweet, sweet voice, because we couldn't leave the other two, could we? One couldn't just go away and... Then Artis began weeping again. She's right, said Blanche, crying even harder. One couldn't go alone, sobbed Camilla. Suni could see they were tender-hearted princesses, maybe not too clever, but tender. Well, she said, there are four heads now, and four heads are better than three. Does he make you sing and dance and tell a story each night? Yes, he does, said Blanche. And every night a new one. If we should ever repeat one, the dragon has promised that he will bite off our heads. And we have run out of new ones, sobbed Camilla. We have sung all the songs and, and danced all the dances and told all the tales we know. We've even made up new ones. But now we can't think of any more stories or songs or dances. And she melted into sobs again. Well, said Suni, I will make up a story, and make up a dance, and make up a song, and tonight. Come close now, so I can whisper. This is what I mean to do. And she told them her plan, and she instructed each. Then they all went to sleep and did not wake again till the dragon roused himself the next night. He turned around twice, slithered out of the cave, and went rampaging off over the land. Down inside of him, the ride was as bumpy as a one-wheeled wagon. No one could have slept any more. He rampaged over meadows and valleys and hills, and his roar shook the night and made the princesses tremble. When does he feed you? Suni said at last, for she had grown very hungry with all the jostling and rampaging and roaring. Every other Thursday, said Blanche, and I get so hungry in between I can scarcely dance a step. Well, it isn't a Thursday at all, said Suni, and I'm nearly too hungry to bear. 
We'll be out of this dragon tonight, mark my word. This is no fit place for a princess, or a plain girl, or for anyone. I think, said Camilla, sighing, I think you are braver than we. I think we are afraid to try your plan. If we fail, the dragon will bite off our heads as sure as night follows day. You can't refuse, cried Suni. She was indignant and shocked. You are king's daughters all. Have you no courage to sustain you? All three were crying now, fit to drown themselves, and Suni was madder than bees in a hurricane. Your fathers are rulers of three great countries. You must behave as they would. Do you want to spend the rest of your lives in this dragon? Don't you want to get out and rule in your turn and marry some wonderful lad? We all wanted to marry, Camilla said, but our true loves surely were killed by the dragon in the battle when he captured us. Why else have they not come here as you have to set us free of him? My true love was a sergeant, said Artis, and the handsomest soldier in Brent. My true love was a captain, said Blanche, and he loved me more than the night loves stars. He said so. And mine was a general, said Camilla, and he would have battled the world for me. Hmm, said Suni, opening her eyes wide, and then she sat privately thinking a sergeant, a captain, and a general, was it? Oh, yes. Suni had met them already. Well, the dragon rampaged and snuffled all over the country until just an hour before midnight. Then he took himself back to his cave, turned around three times, lay down on his rock, and prepared to cough up a princess to begin the night's entertainment. When he coughed up Artis to sing him a song, she had changed dresses with Suni. Suni clung to her tight and was coughed up too and spat out of the dragon's great maw beside her. Artis slipped away at once and ran out of the cave, and Suni stood singing loud and bright, Oh, my true love has gone to war, to war, my true love has gone to war, in the ranks of the brave you'll see him marching. The dragon quite seemed to like Suni's song. And meantime, Artis was safely away. When Suni's song was done, the dragon opened his great red maw and sucked her up. But when Blanche came zipping out, Suni clung to her wearing Blanche's dress. Blanche slipped away quick as a breath, while Suni played the mouth harp and danced a wild and wonderful jigging reel that no one had ever seen the like of. The dragon seemed enchanted indeed, and Blanche was well out of the cave and free. Again Suni was sucked up, and this time she clung to Camilla, and wore Camilla's dress as the dark-haired princess came bursting out. Camilla ran off into the night as soon as Suni sat down on a stone and began a tale of monsters and chariots and rushing whales that so enchanted the dragon he nearly forgot to swallow her. But not quite. 
At last he opened up his great red maw and reached for Suni and swallowed. But the dragon had not swallowed Suni. He had swallowed the meal sack tied in two places, which she had pushed in front of him. Suni was often out of the cave when the dragon clamped his great jaws together, turned around three times, and lay down with his back to the door. So off went the four of them astride the old mare with the hound running at their heels. When they reached the wagon, Suni put the mare on grazing, baked biscuits to feed the princesses, then made them snug in her bed. She lay down on the floor with the hound across her feet and went to sleep at once. But at dawn they were up again and off down the road as fast as the mare could travel, the wagon just bouncing along and the old hound betwixt the front wheels. Soon they came to Dune with its gates of bronze, and Suni drove right to the square. When the people saw Camilla, they all shouted with wonder, and the soldiers came riding, and the king came riding, and the reunion was happy indeed. Then dark-haired Camilla faced her general. Why didn't you rescue me? What did you do, my dear, when the dragon stole me away? I fought for you. I nearly lost my life for you, he began. But the people all shouted and hissed. He did not fight for you, they all cried. He hid himself until the battle was done. He was too cowardly to follow. He said you were dead. Did you, said Camilla, did you hide from the dragon? Yes, the general confessed and turned his shamed face away. Then go from this kingdom. I cannot love you. You are banished from Dune forever. Well, Suni was given her three hundred gold coins and three hundred fine horses, and she hired seven drovers to herd them. She drove away from Dune with her gold and her horses and the drovers, and Artis and Blanche and the old hound following. They came next day to the kingdom of Conti, with its city gates of carven stone. When the people saw Blanche, they all shouted with glee, and the soldiers and the king came riding. The reunion was a joy to behold. Then pale-haired Blanche looked hard at her captain. Why didn't you rescue me? What did you do, my love, when the dragon stole me away? I fought for you. I nearly lost my life for you, he began. But the people all hooted and shook their heads. He did not, they all cried. He hid in the stable until the battle was over. He was afraid to follow you. He claimed you were surely dead. Did you, said Blanche, did you hide from the dragon? Yes the captain confessed, and turned his shamed face away. Then I don't want you. I cannot love you. You are banished from Conti forever. Well, Suni was given two hundred gold coins and two hundred fine cattle, and she hired five drovers to herd them. She went on down the road with her gold and her horses and her cattle, and the drovers, and with Artis, and the old hound betwixt the wheels. 
they came the next morning to the kingdom of Brent with its gates of iron. And when the people saw artists, they let out a cheer. And the king came riding with his soldiers following. And the reunion thrilled Suni to her toes. Then red-headed artist faced her sergeant with a questioning look in her eye. You didn't rescue me, though I was alive. What did you do, my sergeant, when the dragon took me away? I fought for you. I nearly died for you. But the people all cried out indignantly. No, he didn't. He ran away until the battle was done. He was too weak in spirit to follow. He swore it was no use that surely you were dead. Did you hide from the dragon and refuse to follow? demanded Artis angrily. Yes, the sergeant confessed, and turned his shamed face away. Then my love for you was a false love. I do not want you here. Go from this city and this kingdom and do not come here again. Well, Suni was given her one hundred gold coins, and she drove off with Artis and the king, and her twelve good drovers and her three hundred fine horses and her two hundred fine cattle, to the acreage she had been promised. And she put the cattle on grazing and put the horses on grazing, and ordered that a house for the drovers be built as fine as they would have it. "'Will you build another house for yourself?' said Artis, "'to live in for the rest of your days?' I have a house, said Suni, glancing at her bright painted wagon. Well, will you choose finer horses to pull it, a pack of hounds to guard you? I have a good mare and true, said Suni, and my trusty and faithful hound, and I will not stop my travels for a while yet. I will leave my lands in your care and my horses and my cattle and my drovers, and I will travel some more and see new sights and I will return when I've had my fill. They will be safe, replied Artis, and she glanced at the head drover, and he looked back at her, and Suni thought they admired one another, and she smiled to herself about that. So off Suni went in a new direction, on a road she had not traveled, and she sang, What care I for a goose-feather bed or for the finest house to hold it? I will sleep tonight in a meadow bright, just like the raggle-taggle gypsies, oh. She told a tale to the mare and did a dance on the wagon seat, and she thought that she quite liked life. Maybe, what with outwitting dragons and singing and dancing and telling tales, and scrubbing and sweeping too, to say nothing of owning land and horses and cattle and gold, and of painting bright wagons and cooking and sewing as well, she might have all that she needed for making a living, and that was a fine feeling indeed. So over the hills and through the fields and past the buttercups and clover, past cities and kingdoms, the road carried Suni, and she sang for her living and danced for her living and told her tales and used her gold when she needed it. The sky was clear and the sun was warm and the old hound trotted betwixt the front wheels and Suni was as happy as any princess could be. Maybe happier. And the dragon? Oh, the dragon took to catching cowardly soldiers he found out wandering the land, and coughing them up every night to drill at arms for him. He quite liked to see them marching and standing at attention as he laid on his rock in his cave. 
He admired their uniforms and enjoyed their cross frowns, and it was a fine night's entertainment indeed for a dragon who craved entertainment. He was never lonely with his sergeant and his captain and his general, though the princesses had been a good deal prettier. He missed them sometimes and wondered where they had gone. And that is the end of Suni and the Dragon. <laughs> but don't worry, we have two more full stories of Suni's adventures coming up. Next week we will start with the first half of Suni and the King. And I can't wait to read it to you. I hope you guys enjoyed this tale and are looking forward to our next foray into the book Suni and the Dragon by Shirley Rousseau Murphy who graciously gave me her permission to read the story to you. Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane is proudly produced by Lantern Audio Works. If you enjoy this podcast and the others also produced by Lantern Audio Works, please consider supporting us through our Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you get early access and full stereo recording of all of the episodes of Bedtime Stories with Celosia Crane, Old Bob, Brimstone, and Punks in the Library as well as any new projects that N.J. Sullivan and I come up with. Thank you, and head on over to patreon.com forward slash Lantern Audio Works. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to connect with me further, you can find me on Instagram at Crane underscore author. Link is in the show notes.